You are Locked On Phillies, your daily Philadelphia Phillies podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? It is Friday, October 4th, 2019. This is Locked On Phillies. I'm Tim Kelly. I wondered if in the offseason there would be enough stuff happening each week for me to continue doing the three things that the Phillies taught us this week every week. Well, I probably could have done the 15 things that the Phillies taught us this week with everything that's gone on. First, though, I want to talk to you about Postmates. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round. Locked on Phillies listeners can now get $100 in free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the Postmates app. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code locked on. The first thing we learned this week, which is pretty simple, is we still don't have an answer on the future of Gabe Kapler. We started this week expecting a decision on Gabe Kapler, and multiple insiders, both local and national, seem to think that Kapler wouldn't return as Philly's manager, and he still may not, but at the time of this recording, there's about as little clarity as possible. Both Jim Salisbury of NBC Sports Philadelphia and Jason Stark, the Hall of Famer who's now writing for The Athletic, they both wrote that a decision probably isn't going to come until next week now. And John Middleton traveled with the Phillies for the final few weeks of the season. He's had a chance to monitor Gabe Kapler for two seasons now. Even if he held out hope that the Phillies would make a run into the postseason this year, the writing was on the wall that this season wasn't going to end with the Phillies in the playoffs for the final couple months of the season at at least. I mean, so it, it wasn't as though... Gabe Kapler and the Phillies were in the driver's seat entering September and John Middleton and the Phillies are floored by how this season turned out. No, I mean, this is kind of how it was for at least half the season, if not more. So for this decision to be dragging out this long, regardless of exactly why it is, uh, I know there's a lot of speculation and I'm a believer in some of this speculation that he's considering even bigger things beyond the manager, uh, including the front office. Regardless of why it's dragged out this long, though, it doesn't reflect well on the organization and therefore Middleton. If you want a positive spin, when the Eagles fired Chip Kelly in December of 2015, things felt like a complete disaster. 2015, first of all, was as brutal of an Eagles season as there's been in my lifetime, and maybe as brutal of a Philadelphia sports season as there's been in life, my lifetime. And then Howie Roseman, whose reputation was about as low as possible at that time, he was put back into power, and he and Jeffrey Lurie left a coaching search that, or led, excuse me, a coaching search that just felt like a disaster. There were reports they wanted to hire Ben McAdoo but missed out, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise because Ben McAdoo was an awful head coach. Uh, they interviewed Tom Coughlin, who apparently spent much of his interview bitching about the Giants and how they fired him. And there were people at that time that were trying to talk themselves into, well, you can have Tom Coughlin coach for a few years and really build the culture and hand it over to another head coach. That's not how it works in the NFL. I mean, come on. And and ultimately, the Eagles settled on Doug Peterson, who I don't know anyone that was excited about. And two years later, they won a Super Bowl. So 
perhaps we'll look back at the Phillies conundrum right now and we'll laugh at what they're what they're going through at this moment, but I sure don't get that sense. The Vivid Seats app is a sponsor of today's show. You can make a memory that lasts a lifetime by allowing the Vivid Seats app to help you get a tickets to a postseason game, to a concert, to an NFL matchup, to whatever. Just download the Vivid Seats app and use the promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That's a lot. So download the Vivid Seats app and use the promo code POSTSEASON. Second thing we learned this week is that there's a beef between Jake Arrieta and Carlos Santana that almost a year after Carlos Santana was traded by the Phillies still exists. And look, I think we may be relitigating Carlos Santana's time in Philadelphia longer than we spend relitigating the 2016 presidential election. But in a week where the Phillies' future is so heavily contemplated and being so heavily discussed, I didn't expect to have to talk about Carlos Santana. But here we are. Jake Arrieta did an interview with Matt Breen of the Philadelphia Inquirer, who does a great job. And Arietta called, he talked about Gabe Kapler. He said, Gabe Kapler's a great manager. And then in referencing the infamous incident of Carlos Santana smashing TVs in the Phillies clubhouse uh, in the final few weeks of the 2018 season because he thought his teammates were too focused on playing the video game Fortnite while they faded out of the playoff picture. I initially wrote that Jake Arrieta seemed to take a shot at Carlos Santana, but he took a shot at Carlos Santana. This is what Jake Arrieta said. He said, well, the culture was better here without him, him being Carlos Santana. I can tell you that. And then he was asked, why was it better without Carlos Santana? And he said, we had better guys in the clubhouse. That's it. A lot more veteran presence. And I, I reached out to Matt Breen when I saw this quote, and I said, was it as bad as it looks in text? Because some things look worse in text than they actually sound when you hear it on the phone or face-to-face. I don't know exactly what the context of their interview was. And put it this way, he didn't think there was any love lost between the two. He didn't think it was worse looking in text than it sounded in real life. And it is true that the Phillies focus on character when they made additions to the team after the 2018 season. Andrew McCutcheon has about as good a reputation as anyone in baseball. David Robertson didn't work out because of injuries, but he came from a culture of success with the Yankees. Matt Klintak cited Jay Bruce's reputation when the team got him in early June. Did the same thing with Jason Vargas a few months later. Uh, when you add Bryce Harper and JT Real Muta to that mix, it's not hard to imagine that the Phillies clubhouse had a better environment in 2019 than 2018. You also had a manager in his second year as opposed to his first year. But it, it seems strange that Jake Arrieta didn't just talk about the improved clubhouse environment without dissing someone that wasn't involved in the 2019 season. Whether he and Carlos Santana had a good relationship or not, to me, this quote felt like the latest Jake Arrieta quote that he probably should have just kept to himself. And I kind of thought that was the end of it. And then out of nowhere, Thursday night, Carlos Santana tweeted for the first time since April of 2018, which he was in his first month as a Philly at that time. And it's not that he's inactive on social media. You actually see him quite active on Instagram. But for him to tweet for the first time in well over a year, a year and a half at this point, 
you can tell he really wanted to get something off his chest. And this is what Carl Santana tweeted. He put out a statement saying, It's not my style to focus on the past or call out teammates, but I saw Jake's comments and want to address it. You can ask any teammate I've ever played with, ever's in all caps, I take my job seriously. So if Jake isn't doing the best thing for the team or is setting a bad example for the young guys, I'm not going to sit back and support it. Maybe he didn't agree with that, but actions speak louder than words. I loved, loved in all caps, my time in Philly and wish them the best. Turn the page, Poppy. Um... So uh, I, I know there was a lot of speculation previously that Jake Ariad is one of the people that was a little too into Fortnite. I think we have our answer with this quote. And again, Carlos Santana came from a culture of success. Uh, there are people that will tell you the Indians are the most well-run organization in baseball with Terry Francona there. Uh, they're not a major market team. They're not you know, the smallest market team, but they have just had sustained success. They've been one of the most successful teams this decade. And Jake Arrieta, granted, came from Chicago where Joe Madden was a little bit looser, but they also had success. They beat Santana and the Indians in the World Series in 2016. But it's evident that Carlos Santana, especially as the Phillies went through what was a historic collapse, I think that's forgotten because we all kind of think, oh, the Phillies were overachieving at that time or whatever. It was a historic collapse in 2018. And... Carlos Santana thought the best thing that the Phillies could do was to smash the TVs in the clubhouse because he thought the Phillies were spending too much time playing a video game. And put it this way, I know a lot of people that were perplexed by the signing of Carlos Santana that really liked the move of him smashing the TVs. It showed how much it bothered him as the Phillies suffered a historic collapse. So I think it would be in the best interest of Jake Arrieta to, as Carlos Santana advised him, turn the page here. And I don't think he's going to opt out of his deal. So I think Jake Arrieta is going to be in Philadelphia for another season. So it would be best for him not to dig any deeper of a hole with the fan base than he already has. But I'm not sure he particularly cares. The final thing that the Phillies taught us this week is that two people at least two people connected the Phillies are going to draw interest for managerial jobs this offseason, regardless of what the Phillies ultimately do. The first of those two candidates is Raul Abanez, who obviously played for the Phillies from 2009 to 2011. He was an all-star in 2009. They went back to the World Series that year. He played through his age 42 season, uh, obviously went to the Yankees afterwards, back to Seattle, I believe, uh, the Angels, the Royals. He hung around a lot longer than probably he was valuable as a player because teams thought he was such a valuable clubhouse presence. So it's not surprising that John Morosi of MLB.com says that Abanez will be considered for the Cubs managerial opening. The Cubs parted ways with Joe Madden after last Sunday when the season concluded. And then he also added that Abanez, who is 47 now, which strangely isn't even that young to be a managerial candidate anymore, he said he's long been viewed as a candidate for the San Francisco Giants managerial vacancy, which makes sense because Farhan Zaidi is the president there now. Uh, 2018 was his first year. Prior to being the president, he was the Dodgers general manager under Andrew Friedman, and Raul Abanez was is 
a uh, his title as special advisor to the general manager for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Well, the general manager was Farhan Zaidi, so not surprising that he uh, has that there's going to be some interest there. Whether he manages in 2020 or not will likely be up to him. Uh, he was a finalist to replace Joe Madden in Tampa Bay in 2014, but he ultimately withdrew his name from consideration, and Kevin Cash was hired and. Kevin Cash might be the best manager in baseball at this point. But since then, Ibanez has been hesitant uh, to really be considered for managerial openings. And that includes when the Yankees job opened up after the 2017 season. So who knows? But to me, he's as appealing of a managerial candidate as there's going to be. Some guys you just know. I know that uh, Ricky Ricardo, who... uh, was the Phillies Spanish announcer, now does it with the Yankees, so he's well-connected throughout the sport. He thinks Abanez would be a tremendous manager. And if the Phillies move on from Gabe Kapler, to me, he would be an ideal candidate. I know some people disagree because he doesn't have managerial experience. I'm not putting myself in the box of saying you have to have been a manager before if the Phillies move on from Gabe Kapler. Um, Raul Abanez was an all-star for the Phillies in 2009. He helped them to get to the World Series. So that gives him legitimacy with the fan base. And out the window goes the, oh, well, he just doesn't get it. He doesn't get Philly. doesn't connect with Philly criticism that we've heard for Gabe Kapler's tenure. Uh, During his career, he was seen as one of the best clubhouse presences in the sport, which, again, is one of the reasons his career lasted so long. Uh, He's still younger than a bunch of the potential candidates, which is something that's valued by front offices. Front offices want someone who they feel like players can relate to, and you want kind of a a stern older brother as opposed to a dad or father figure that you would get with Buck Showalter or Joe Girardi or whatever manager that's a little older. Um, And I think Abanez could potentially fill that. Uh, He's currently working in one of the more analytically inclined organizations, which would likely mean he'd be comfortable collaborating with Matt Klintak's front office, assuming it still is Matt Klintak's front office. So there's a lot to like about Abanez, whether it's as a managerial candidate in Philadelphia or just in general. The second candidate's a little less known, but I think he's going to be a manager at some point in the next few seasons. It's Sam Fold, who Sam Fold played parts of nine major league seasons with the Cubs, the Rays, the A's, the Twins. He's also a very sharp guy. He has an economics degree from Stanford, and those two things piqued the interest of the Phillies who hired him in November of 2017 after his playing career concluded to serve as the go-between between the front office and the coaching staff to players because he's someone who believes in analytics, is analytically inclined, but his career just wrapped up. And I think a lot of times, even though Matt Klintak played Uh, baseball in college you get someone from Dartmouth and some players will kind of look at that and say that guy doesn't get it well Sam Folds played in the major leagues as recently as 2015 he's only 37 years old now so I think in hiring that type of person you hire them because you think this person believes in what we're preaching and he's going to be able to get the players to buy into it. And those same qualities, I think, would make him a very appealing managerial candidate to a lot of teams. Uh, it may also make him a, a candidate as soon as this offseason. The Toronto Blue Jays actually interviewed him last offseason for their job. Ultimately, he withdrew his name from consideration, but Ken Rosenthal, the athletic, said that Fold made a strong impression on the Blue Jays uh, brass in the interview. 
And it stands to reason that he could do that again this offseason. And if he doesn't pull his name out of consideration, perhaps he'll land a managerial gig. If the Phillies ultimately make a managerial change, it's not hard for me to fathom Fold getting an interview, but I think his profile is a, a, a little too similar to Gabe Kapler. At least on the surface, he's young. Gabe Kapler's young. He's analytically inclined. Gabe Kapler's analytically inclined. He's a former outfielder. Gabe Kapler's a former outfielder. So it's an optics thing. Uh, it's a lot of what we talk about in terms of, oh, this presidential cycle, this party needs this type of candidate that fits you know, this background, this w- whatever. And a lot of times it's silly because in reality, you should just be going for whoever's the best candidate. But... These surface things matter. Matt Klintak talked a lot last offseason about how perception matters, and I think the Phillies would have a difficult time selling the fan base on hiring someone like Sam Fold because the perception would be, wow, this is just... They got rid of Gabe Kapler because the fan base complained, and then they brought in someone very similar to Gabe Kapler. Now, I think Sam Fold's going to be a good good manager. I think he's uh, a, a bright guy in general, But those things factor into a managerial search, and my guess would be he wouldn't be a fit for the Phillies at this time. That doesn't mean he won't ultimately go on to be a good manager somewhere else. That assumes, though, that the Phillies fire Gabe Kapler, and who knows? I mean, the longer that Kapler watch lasts, the more you think that John Middleton is considering making some changes to the front office structure. Um, I know I heard Jason Stark say something the other day about how Dave Dombrowski, there's kind of whispers that, hey, maybe he'd be interested in this job in the front office if they cleaned house and got rid of Klintak and McPhail. I know that will intrigue a lot of people because the organizations he's gone to have had success. At the same time, the Detroit Tigers, he left just a, a disaster there. Miguel Cabrera, He's going to be a Hall of Famer, one of the best hitters I've ever seen, all that. He's a bad player at this point, and he still has $100 million left on his contract. You go down the list of just bad deals, the Prince Fielder deal that he signed during his time, and then you look at what happened in Boston. He signed Chris Sale to a five-year deal. Well, year one of that deal, Chris Sale looks like he's already declining. Mookie Betts, who is one of the best players of this era, they don't have under team control beyond another season. They may ultimately have to trade him because ownership wants to cut costs and they've put their money in a lot of other places. I know they won a World Series with David Price, but David Price, that deal has not worked out particularly well. So, He's had success, but kind of the formula has been we're going to push all the chips in for a year or two or three maybe, and they had more sustained success in Detroit, but the end result seems to be the organization's going to be in trouble and hamstrung financially. And if this entire process has gone from the Phillies being in that type of position with Ryan Howard's contract and other deals and not developing enough young talent four or five years ago to they're going to push in with Dombrowski and then be back in that type of situation in four or five years. Whew, I mean, it's one thing if the Phillies decide to go in another direction with the front office this offseason, but... And I really do think it's too late to be making that decision, but that's another topic. If the Phillies talk all this time 
all these years about not only do we want to build a contender, we want to build one with sustained success. Because as great as the 2011-2011 run was, 2007-2011 run was, good teams do not go you know, a decade in between playoff appearances. The Phillies went 15 years in between 2000 or 1993 and 2007. This is the eighth year they've missed the playoffs. So yeah, it would be great to have another mini run where you dominate the National League for a few years. But the end results of that should not be, oh, and then after that, you're going to have a decade of being a bad baseball team. That doesn't happen to the Dodgers. That doesn't happen to the Yankees. That doesn't happen to these organizations. Look at the Astros now. The Astros, there's a lot of similarities to the Phillies run, but they continue to develop success, find guys. like You feel like that's more sustainable. And with Dave Dombrowski, the feeling's always been, well, you can win, but that means you're going to have to go through this ugly period afterwards, and I don't think that it's one or the other. So they have a lot to sort out, and if you don't have confidence in whoever's making the decisions at this point or feel like uh, there's a direction here, I'm not sure I can dissuade you from thinking that. Perhaps we'll have an answer by the time I record next week. I'm not holding my breath on it. You can follow me on Twitter at Tim Kelly Sports. Read my work on philliesnation.com and radio.com. I will talk to you guys next week.